Well, it's interesting. Have we started? By yeah, way? I think <laughs> this is Joan Osborne, everybody. Uh, we're we just at, went right in. Come to where I'm from. Yeah. yeah. I love that, though. I'm, Ehud and I talk about this all the time, how to open these things up. And this is my we preferred just, we way. We started without you guys. But we've so never right. on Come to Where I'm From talk about cloning before, and you brought that up. So that's okay. an interesting there subject. We go. Yeah. Because and also you, I, uh, I've been taking, gotten some research on you, and I know that you want to do a rock musical maybe one day, or sure, you thought yeah. about that. Yeah. But it could be interesting to make a rock musical about cloning, where one day you meet yourself in a strange bathroom. Absolutely. Like because that's another whole conspiracy theory. Like I, I sometimes read YouTube comments, and somebody's mm. like that. Per you know, there was the one about uh, you know a lot of people think the new Dave Chappelle is a clone of. Oh the really? Old. <laughs> that, that's a big one. <laughs> like. You well, know, because he came back muscly and all oh, this, really? you know, well, he worked just, out a little bit, yeah, you know, whatever. and so he's a clone, I guess. But but if he was a clone of it, like, do, doesn't a clone have to be like a an infant and a child yeah. and grow? So the, so the clone of Dave Chappelle would be like three yeah. years old, you know? Yeah, that's one of the conspiracy theories mm. I don't really go mm. in, in for. I'm not there yet. Yeah. I, I like <laughs> I, I like thinking about potentially it being... Flat Earth and mm. moon landing is is suspect to say the least. I think that's kind of it's it's at least suspect. Mm. I, it's at least that. I, I'm not saying it didn't sure, happen. Sure, You know, don't. I'm not trying to stir up controversy. No. <laughs> and I'm also not saying this is flat Earth. But I'm saying uh. the moon landing is fun to think about because that's at least suspect. And flat Earth, I think, is fun to think about cloning. I'm not there yet. You're not. You're not so nah, into that. Yeah. Not really. But it's interesting mm. to think about in the future. You might end up. I mean, meeting I, a, I feel meeting like a just, new Joan Osborne. Well, just you know, given and given what, what you, uh, you know, what little I know about you know, like scientific research and stuff, it seems like the cloning thing is actually more like the scientific community has more agreement that that's like a real thing than well, the no, other stuff. But, oh yeah, um, no, I know cloning is. But real. But I guess that doesn't make I, it much of a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> no, I'm. I know cloning is real, but uh -huh. I'm saying that I'm. I'm not there that that's a fake Dave Chappelle. Oh, I see. That, yes. Like okay. I'm not there yeah. that like there's some kind of like mm -hmm. operation taking out the real people and yeah. putting in the clones. Yeah. That's the conspiracy in that department. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you saw like a new Joan Osborne, what would you say to her? Like a cloned, well, cloned Joan. I, I mean, you know, those of us who are parents, you know, in in some way, oh, we right. do have clones, clones of ourselves that yeah. we are responsible for bringing into the world. Obviously, you know, that my daughter is not, you know, she has only 50% of my DNA and not 100%, so she's not a clone, but there are many, many ways in which she is like me. Right. And, uh, it, you know, it's funny because um, there's... There's so many things that I would want to, 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 that I do want to tell her and that I try to tell her, but she's 14 now, so she's just like... Uh-huh, what's that like? No, she's got, she's got no interest... In what you say. In what I say or what I do or who I am or... I mean, I, and I know that, like, intellectually, I know that that is what she's supposed to be doing right now, is uh -huh. reaching beyond the family unit and, you know, becoming a more independent person and, you know, beginning to find her own way as an individual in the world. And I know all of that, that that's a healthy thing. Yeah, individuation. But it totally fucking sucks. Really? It's hard <laughs> it's for you? It's so hard. It's always hard as a parent. It is. Where you want to instill all this wisdom and knowledge and, like, but your kids. your kid's still kid's young, and I still try to do that to her. Yeah, but, yeah. but so that it takes with her still, right? But so she's in the I mean, teenage depends, realm. It's you know, different. It depends. I mean, my girl has always been a little bit like, "Oh, really? Huh, I think I know better than you, mom." You know, she's kind of that's been her personality since she's been a kid. Yeah. But uh, 
but this is this is a new sort of level of that. Why is it and, so painful? Because um, you want to be friends, and she's not there well, anymore. Or? Well, I, I wouldn't say friends. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you want to have a yeah. You want to be close to this person, and you know, this is a person who. You know, when they were small, just looked at you like with all this yeah. love. It's not even the power thing, but just with all this love in their in their eyes. Right. And, you know, little children, when they love you, it's like no other. It's like an explosion. It's mm -hmm. crazy. You know, my sister has a little boy now, and he loves his auntie Gigi. Mm -hmm. And when we Your spend auntie time, Gigi. I'm auntie Gigi. Nice. So when we spend time together, it's just like kaboom. Right. And and he's like climbing up in my lap and he wants to run and do this and he wants to do that and every second he's focused on is she watching me and I want to do this and and uh, so you you come from that you know place of just that connection and that beauty of that the power of that love and then it just sort of you know as the kids get older they become a little bit more independent and they mm -hmm. care a little bit less about you what you think and they're not no, less they focused on you and then they get to you get to a point where they're just like I mean, literally slamming the door in your face. Uh -huh. So it's, uh, so that's, that's wild. I mean, that, it hurts, you know? I mean, what yeah. can you say? As much as you might understand it intellectually and as much as you might be like, all right, this is, this is what she needs to be doing for herself and I should be an unselfish person to not, you know, need more than this. Of course it's going to, you know, of course it's a drag. So, yeah. You know. And you and but, you uh, came from a large family, like I did, six yeah. siblings, right? Yeah, like, I've got I've got five siblings. There's six of us. Oh, yeah. five siblings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was included. I guess included yeah. you in the number. Where yeah, do you so where are you in the mix of that? I'm the second. I have one older brother. One older brother, and yeah. then how many sisters and brothers? Two sisters, um, and well, I've got two sisters and three brothers. So two we're three and three. Wow. Yeah. So what was that like? Uh, I mean, it was it was cool. I grew up in Kentucky, and yeah, Kentucky. Uh, and we lived in a you know pretty small town and a place where everybody kind of knew each other and you didn't lock your doors at night and we could go off running in the woods during like in the summertime we would just leave the house in the morning and come back in the in the night and you know in the evening for dinner and right. that was kind of you know nobody was necessarily <coughs> watching over us all right. the time um at least after we got to a certain age so um so it was a much different childhood um, than, than, for example, the one that my daughter's having, where yeah. she's growing up in, in New York City and in Brooklyn. And Brooklyn. it's a much more, like, you just have to know where she is and what she's doing at all times. Yeah. And you have to, if, if you're not actually there with your hands on her, yeah. <laughs> you know, like when she was little, um, then you, you got to really, you have to keep tabs. And it's just, it's just a different thing. So there was, so me growing up, there was a lot of freedom and a lot of connection to the outdoors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would, go off in the woods and build little forts and yeah. have conversations with the birds and you know just uh, it was it was a different kind of a thing and I, I also liked being part of this little group of my siblings a gang I, yeah a little bit of a gang I mean of course you know where our ages are we're all spread out um, but I think I because I was the oldest girl I helped my mom do a lot of things and I was kind of like mom junior uh -huh. and got some like more respect maybe than you know other kids in my family so I think I was sort of you know had a little bit of a privileged position and uh, you know when you're a little kid those kind of different 
you know, political relationships between yeah. siblings are they're huge. You know, huge. So, and in the neighborhood, y'all must have run things because there was so <laughs> many of you, right? Yeah, we we uh, well, it was funny because people would would come up to us like adults would be like, "Well, I know you're an Osborne. Which one are you?" You know, we all look very much alike, uh -huh. uh, but we were just, you know, my parents just kept popping them out uh, one after the other. So they were just, well, I, I know you belong to that gang over there, but I don't was know which one you Was there troublemakers in the gang, or were you guys a all good kids? A little bit, a little bit. I was not a troublemaker, but I have my, my two younger brothers. Um, they actually would, you know, with their friends, would just be all over the neighborhood. And they, you know, there's a famous story of them like throwing a lit firecracker into an open window of a police car yeah uh, you know on halloween because they were out doing crazy stuff on halloween and they for some reason they thought this was a fun thing to do and uh, and then you know the the car stops and the lights go on and the the policemen jump out and they're scattering and <laughs> try to escape thing. And, it's a fun yeah. thing to hear about <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i would never in a million years have you know had the have thought that was a good idea or had yeah. the courage to do that. I lit a dumpster on fire once in, yeah. in Ohio. That's uh -huh. where I grew up. And it was the same as you described. Like, you know, we ran around all, all day and mm -hmm. into the into the night, you yeah. know, into like early evening and then went home. But I think that was like the times then too. Probably if mm -hmm. you grew up in Brooklyn around then too, you prob probably kids ran around all the time. Yeah, too. I like think just so, yeah. Now it's just nobody does that no, anymore. No, people don't do that so much anymore. Yeah, and which... Uh, for good I, reason. It's, I guess it's a shame. But. I guess. I mean, I, I don't know if it's any more of a dangerous world now than it used to be or if we just know more about how dangerous how it dangerous is. How dangerous it is. Because, um, I, I mean, I remember feeling... You know, I, I came to New York in the 80s and it was a much more dangerous place then but yeah. I always remember feeling more frightened like being alone at night on a on a road in the country because there's nobody around and anybody could just you know pull up and yeah. grab you and put you in their car and no one would know about it so I always felt like at least there's some kind of street life and there's yeah. people out there and you could you know run into an open store or something if if anything bad happened so I always felt safer in in uh, New York at least in in that kind of way what year did you come here <clears throat> you know I was trying to remember that because I knew you would ask me <laughs> um it was like 84 I think right when Van Halen put out uh 1984 <laughs> sorry that's my reference is Van Halen that was the first rock show that I ever went to see really? when I was 16 was Van Halen one yeah, of our questions yeah. is Sammy Hagar versus David Lee Roth <laughs> well I mean I I think that boy, that's a tough one because I've it is. I've Sam run into David Lee Roth over <laughs> over the years. Yeah, and you know he's. I mean, maybe I'm. I shouldn't say this, but he's. You know, he doesn't necessarily have it all together. Um, so, I mean, maybe he does now. Sorry, David, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but Shout out uh, to David Lee yeah, but he's certainly. I've certainly seen him in in you know situations where you're like, oh God, that guy's really got to get it together. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so. Uh, but despite that, I feel like you know the imprint of. Seeing him like do like jump up and do the splits and you know all that kind of stuff, I was like, I, I got to give him some respect for that. So I yeah. think I have to go with David Lee Roth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess me too. Yeah, right. but I like current <laughs> Sammy Hagar. I follow no, I follow great, him on Instagram, right? yeah. and I'm always like, damn, Sammy looks good. I've already yeah. said that on this podcast. <laughs> I don't want to like Sammy fanboy out too much. Well, I, I got to sing with him because I was uh, when I was singing with the Dead, he would come around because he was friends with Mickey Hart, or and probably still is. And uh, he would come around, so I got to hang out with him a little bit when we were doing those dead shows and say with him a little bit. That's crazy that you said that. I wanted to talk to you about that touring with the yeah, dead. Oh, that's everyone does want to talk about that, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, yeah. it was it was uh it was fucking cool yeah yeah it was yeah i feel like chris farley on saturday night live that was that's cool right like tell me <laughs> <laughs> you know tell me about that you know <laughs> that's my interview style yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool tell me about that that's amazing <laughs> yeah, that's that that could be your psychotherapist style too yeah, that, yeah. so tell me about yeah the oh vo- yeah uh, or, yeah how'd you get that um well i had a booking agent at the time they're lucky to have you by the way in my opinion well like, thank you yeah thanks um they didn't seem to think so after the first year oh is that right they, they didn't did invite get, me back did again. you get uh, uh, okay you got shit canned or no i mean not like not fired but, but just not like not re-invited. re-invited but then but then they didn't like uh, they didn't really invite any of the other people back again so yeah, i so uh, i like from that same year so i started to feel like oh it's like at first i took it really personally and i got uh-huh. upset but then i saw that it wasn't the same people who had done it the year that I the summer that I had done it, oh, okay, and so I was like, oh, maybe they just this is just how they do it. Uh, Best not um, to take things personally. The four agreements, I you know, know that one. I know. I know it's easier said than done. It's so is it? Uh, but I, you know, it's hard. It I is know. hard. <laughs> it is hard. Don't make but it's assumptions. It's so important, but it's so important. Don't yeah. take things personally. Yeah. Always try your best. Be impeccable with your word. Those are the four. I, that that uh, I definitely remember those, and I remember reading those. Yeah, and it's uh, you know. Those are definitely words to live by. And uh-huh. it's funny because I find that, like, you would think, like, I'm in my 50s now, and you would think that at this point in your life, yeah. like, stuff, you just, you know, stuff would just sort of roll off your back and it wouldn't, wouldn't bother you the way it did when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Sometimes stuff really bothers me <coughs> just as bad as it did yeah. when I was, like, in my 20s or something, you know. Yeah, and me too. And, uh, uh-huh. and I'm like, wow, you know, is this, this yeah. is just never going to end, is it? So yeah. I, better, I better get it together to figure out yeah. how to handle this better. And uh, and it's a yeah. it's a struggle, but Sometimes that, I'm that like, is true. I'm yeah. still in a high school drama, really. Okay, <laughs> is my whole life gonna be a high school drama? You know, like <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. got like I, you know, I know you for a long time, and yeah. you definitely have grown as a person yeah. and your whole spiritual quest i mean you know you i'm sure you talk about it a lot and yeah and that's you know it's not a big secret but uh, yeah. that that to me is like really uh i really admire that the way Thank that you've you. uh you've Appreciate just gone that. you've instead of running away from stuff you've tunneled deeper in <coughs> Tunnel and deeper. really yeah. are bringing back some gold i think which thank is cool. you yeah. thanks for saying that sure. i mean a who's trying to not let me talk about ho'oponopono anymore on this <laughs> podcast because i've already done it he's like don't do that ho'oponopono thing again but well, i instantly uh, want to do that uh, like i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you because man uh-huh. when you do get into that upset place you yeah. know i mean honestly i got there's a little bit of drama going on in my life right now mm. and i went on an eight mile run before this podcast oh no like with ho'oponopono in my headphones in head, the yeah. whole time yeah. just to get back to base camp yeah you know so that's sometimes how hard you have to dig in yeah. even when you think like sometimes i think oh yeah i'm like i'm yeah i've really got somewhere and mm. then all of a sudden life will come and be the like ego yeah <laughs> you know so and then you're funny. like oh yeah. you know and then uh-huh. but the difference between me then or me now is that now when i'm upset it's an alarm bell of like Uh bro you got to take responsibility this is a reflection of you you know at least those things kick in and then i go and handle it in that way of like okay i'm gonna go on a real long run Mm -hmm. i'm gonna put this meditation in my headphones and I'm just gonna like yeah. talk myself down with effective tools. Yeah, the tool you have the tools that, to deal the, with, and it, that's and great. It's so 
It's like instead it, of diving deeper into the drama and like yeah. creating more drama and re- reacting to somebody oh, and going, God. well, you know, fuck you or this, that, mm-hmm. or the other, you know, yeah. like, you know, because yeah. who needs that? Like, life is too short. It's, it's so short. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm getting to the point and like it's summer again. And I'm like, oh my God, this is great. But I know that like I'm going to turn around and summer's going to be over because I'm, I'm like, you know, like those scenes in the movies where the calendar pages just sort of fly off. Like, that's yeah. how time feels to me right now. It's right. just all going so fast. Especially, so. like, with your daughter, too, being 14 yeah. and slamming some doors. That must feel, that must bring that time thing, too, yeah, into, like, different I, levels. Yeah, because the person, like, I'm, it's funny, I when I, uh, sometimes I would have to go away when she was younger for like a couple weeks to do some gigs and then come back and you know my mom would come up from Kentucky to stay with her uh-huh. and I would re- I'd realize that the image that I had of her in my head was of her like you know like I had this image of her in my head that wasn't who she really was that was her as a little bit younger so when I would come home I would wow. be like oh my gosh she's different she's changed huh. because I I still have that smaller person in my head and in my heart right. and uh, and it's re- it's hard as a parent to make to constantly be saying goodbye to that person who was and yeah. saying hello to the new person who's coming in. I mean, it's the same person, it is but you change so much when you're growing in that way. Yeah, know? and we change too. Like yeah. the, who we were then is not who we are now. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Like the nature of identity and like, are we do are we real or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh like, uh, yeah, well, you I know. mean, nobody nobody knows anything nobody stuff knows about anything. that yeah, yeah. Um, you know i'm an agnostic and uh, you know I, I i understand that there's a lot that i don't understand so. yeah well that's cool mm-hmm. so so um so you came to new york in the in 1984 uh-huh. and you started like singing straight away or like how'd you get into singing no i i came how'd you discover to, your voice um, well i was going to film school oh right at NYU. nyu yeah and i was studying filmmaking and i did that for Gosh, I mean, I, I kept like I was putting myself through school, so I kept having to stop and work a bunch of jobs and mm-hmm. save money and then go back again. Um, but at a certain point when I was in one of those like phases of not taking classes, um, I was living in a building over on 21st Street between uh, second between first and second Avenue. That's funny. I lived on 22nd between first and second. I for five visited and a half you years. At, the, at your place that's, once time. Yeah, that's yeah. so crazy. We've, we've oh, known right. each other for a long, long time. Last time. Yeah, yeah, righteous love. That's we right. We worked on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's some beautiful uh-huh. stuff. I love that record. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's Thanks. a great record. Well, that's a cool song, man. That man, you wrote with me. Yeah, so gonna, I'm so proud of it. And, and I'm not. I love I'm gonna, it. I'm gonna hold you to your uh, your promise of writing another song. I would. I would love to. I would love to do more than one. Like we should do a couple you know like because we had a we like have a good vibe when we work together for sure no it's like we gotta i was gonna ask you too if Uh you like can put a little vocal on one of my tracks upstairs before you go well i don't know about before i go but uh you know or sometime yeah at some point yeah yeah um that'd be awesome um what was i gonna say oh we were talking about New York. Oh, New York. Film yeah. Film school. Uh, yeah, I was. Um, I got. I was living at this place uh, on Twenty First Street, and the guy in my building. It was kind of a cute guy, and I was sort of would see him in the hallway. It's always and stuff. a cute he, guy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he uh, asked me to go out for a drink with him, and so we went to the first place that there was, which was this blues bar on mm-hmm. the corner of Twenty First and Second Avenue. It's not there anymore. Um, but it was called the Abilene Cafe. Right. And we went in there, and it was kind of late at night. And the band had finished playing, but there was a, 
a guy playing piano just kind of for himself and the handful of people that were still in this place. And the guy who had asked me to come out for a drink with him dared me to go up and sing a song with the piano player. Uh-huh. And, um, and and I was like, okay, I'll do it. You know, I was trying, maybe I was trying to like be cool for this guy or whatever. <coughs> and, uh, and, you know, cause I sang when I was a, a, a kid, um, but I hadn't done it in years. And so I, I, you know, went over and talked to the piano player and we, you know, talked about what we were going to do. And we both knew the song, God Bless the Child, uh, that Billie Holiday song. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sang that. And, um, you know, the, there's, you know, a handful of people in the bar and they were all like, yay, yay, yay. And, uh, but the piano player was like, well, we have, you know, that was pretty good. We have a open mic night here every Tuesday night. So why don't you come back and, and sign up and, and do it again? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so because this place was like not even a half a block from where I was living, I started going there and I started doing this open mic night every Tuesday night. And I think because it was a blues open mic, there was something that was so galvanizing to me about singing that kind of music and particular about singing in particular mm-hmm. um, and about singing that kind of music because I had, I had been really steeped in this you know art form of film and you know it's a very different thing you know when you're making a film it's it's a lot about technology it's yeah. a lot about being like like managing this whole crew of people it's a it's a lot about your intellect and I was sort of divorced from these other aspects of myself, like my body and my, you know, just the soul and the, all the places that music can touch you. Yeah. And I think there was something so galvanizing for me about standing up with a bunch of musicians around me and just singing. And there's something so immediate about it, too. You know, you're not yeah. planning for, I mean, maybe some people do this, but you're not planning for eight months and, you know, raising right. money and all the kind of stuff to have this finished product, which then goes out without you being there and uh-huh. other people see it. And, you know, maybe you get some kind of response from, yeah. from what they thought of it or what, like music is so much more immediate than that live yeah. music. It's like, here you are, you're doing this thing. It's coming out of your body. You're inhabiting this thing. And it's, it's like, bam. And you know, that can be a hard thing too, because right. if, you, if something doesn't go right and you are sucking, it's like torture. But if it goes well, and if you feel like you're in that flow, there's just something really deep about it. So, yeah. uh, so I kind of got addicted to, to that and found out about other open mic nights and met other musicians at these open mic nights and, and just sort of discovered that there was this whole music scene uh going on and uh, and that was kind of my entree into into doing into it i mean it took me years to like like i put a band together and started you know eventually started playing my own gigs and yeah. and then you know for years i did that and then i went out to other towns once i had a gig and once i had you know once i had a band and and a repertoire I went out to other places like Boston and DC and Buffalo and just anywhere within a day's drive so yeah. you know it took me a long time to kind of build that up but that's where it started was at that open mic night yeah that's interesting what you say about like film being like a performance that you then goes out without you being there yeah. like painting yeah. is that way painting yeah. is like a performance captured mm-hmm. and then like in time and then but you're not there it's yeah. it's wild that yeah. I mean, recorded I music is sort time. of that way, you I guess know, so. because you yeah, send it out into too. the into the world, and you don't know yeah. who it's going to impact and or how. how they're being impacted, and you have no control over that. And it is you're sort of divorced from that moment of the person connecting with your music, and yeah. it may it may come back to you in you know in the future in some way. Like I've 
I now will do uh, autograph signings after pretty much all of my shows. Yeah. And, you know, partly it's because you, you sell more CDs and stuff that way, but partly it's to meet everybody and to talk to people. And, and you feedback. start to get that, you know, that, like, uh, thing of people telling you what your music has meant to them. And, I know. And I like that part, too, to I be mean, honest. I mean, yeah. obviously it's an ego thing, but it... Right, but, but you need it. But, you need, well, you do. It's, you need a little love back if you put also, love out yeah you know, but you, you also need, need to understand like if you're an artist you you need to keep that connection with why you're doing this thing yeah. because it can be so hard it's true and it can be such a struggle that if you're just involved in the nuts and bolts of like oh i gotta get this gig and i gotta get there and when's the rehearsal and who's this and that and and when's my flight and you know like all that stuff if that's your whole you know mindset of it and your whole experience of it then you just get drained you have to have that reconnection and you have to feel some of that back to understand like oh yeah there's a reason that i'm doing all this and it's yeah. because there's people on the other end of this process that are being affected by it in a positive way yeah um i forget who i think it was like ricky lee jones said to me her. at a at a david bowie tribute is like she was like something like you're not there to get love from people. You're there to give, or wait, yeah, to give love mm -hmm. to people. I think it was like that. I think she said something along those uh -huh. lines. But sometimes I'll have like a bad gig in my own head, oh, and I'll go backstage and I'll be all depressed. And then if I go out and do the autograph thing or the take pictures thing, yeah. and then people are like, oh my God, that was amazing. It com completely flipped my perspective yeah. of it. If yeah. like just, because my own brain will just like go like, still, I'm like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a gig, you know, not four days ago where I just, I came off stage and I was like, I'm quitting the business. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> what am I doing? You know? Right. And then I went out and met people and it would just, like you say, it just yeah. it completely flipped it. Like they saw moments like, it, you know, it wasn't a perfect show and, right. and you know, the mistakes that I made or whatever I couldn't make happen up there were really, really weighing on me. Uh -huh. But then, you know, when you do that, you disregard the places where you do connect and that's what they were focusing yeah. on. So, uh, so I was able to, to kind of temper that feeling uh with you know with their response love, to their it and, and their love yeah, yeah but how much are you touring lately are you touring a lot or yeah yeah i mean i always that's how i make my living yeah. and pay for my daughter's school and yeah know, you know all of it so i still i still work a lot i don't i don't go out like i used to where i'm like okay i'm booking a tour and i'm going to be gone for three months on tour and then i'm home for a while like mm -hmm. i i go out for six days and then I'm home for four days and then I go out for three days and then I'm home for a week and then you know it's it's very you know patchy in that way but it's pretty c continuous it's, it like is that. continuous yeah 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 I got huh. bills to pay is yeah um no it's uh it's that's the most recent record that we put out so some of the shows that we do are songs of Bob Dylan shows but there's also uh you know promoters who want it's more just like a Joan Osborne show, so we do those as well. And we're getting very close to finishing a new record, which is all original material, That's which great. is one of the things I want to oh, talk to I, you about. Yeah, I would love um, to. to uh, there's, there's, well, <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, but when, I'd love for you to like listen to some of the stuff that I'm kind of stuck on and, and uh, you know put your head around it and see if you can help guide me. Because I know... Cause, you guys, Joe's freaking brilliant. Man. So Thank you. You all know that. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. forget who I, I spoke to someone who's recording with you. I don't know. Hey, who's changing Jack. the subject no, right no, away? No, 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 no,
And uh, he said that you record in your own house, like you set up a studio yeah. there. You prefer to work there. Yeah. Well, uh, it just it works out that way. We've got um, we've got a place in Brooklyn, and it's got a basement. Pro Tools. Oh, I, I think I've been there. Yeah, I think when you have you, been early when you were building it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and so we've got a basement, and it's you know it's great because there's no no na- noise complaints from the neighbors or anything, and and uh, so we set up a studio in there and. And uh, you know it's it's close, but the the stuff that we're getting, the tracks that we're getting, have a really cool sound, and it sort of reminds me of those, like uh, you know, '70s uh, recordings where things are like it's not a lot of reverb and mm-hmm. a lot of big echoey sounds, but it's very close and tight, and yeah. uh, and it's it's a cool thing. So, and a lot of the music is about, um, a lot of it is in in reaction to just the. Uh, reality, the political reality that we're all living in right now, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I wanted to, one of the subjects I wanted to get your take on. Um, but for me, there's, you know, there's such a need to to renew myself through just the joy of making music and and to have music that is joyful to play and mm-hmm. so I can re-energize myself because trying to be, uh, you know, trying to confront the reality of what's happening and try to be a parent and try to think about well you know what kind of world is my daughter going to inherit and what can I do to make it better and you know all these things it it can really it can weigh on you so I need to use music to reinvigorate myself and to have and also to kind of express um, a hope about a brighter future not that you don't acknowledge that there's a lot of work to be done in order yeah. to create that but but if you can't visualize that brighter future then i think it's harder to manifest it i, I totally agree and i think like people are getting addicted to despair too much lately mm. and it's like uh, yeah well it's, know, it's, it's like, easy to do it is easy to mm-hmm. do especially to do. i feel like the media prods us towards that too though yeah, you know? because they they like work on a model of selling outrage and selling and, outrage yeah. and fear and fear, and, yeah. and it's just like, you know, not to say that this is you know there's not reasons to be outraged and oh, there uh, absolutely are afraid, and afraid too, yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, we got to kind of have a balance. Well, that's what I feel like yeah. music's job is in this moment is mm-hmm. to like of, of course, you know, you can like I've sort of never really been one to write political songs but these new songs some of them are you know expressly political and I I guess it's from doing that Bob Dylan record and seeing the way that he masterfully uh, writes songs which are political but also have this sort of mythopoetic thing about them where they could be talking about a bunch of different things but also resisted getting like when like people tried to like like when the sort of member, yeah. like when the left tried to like oh, sure, co-opt him, to, he would resist. He He'd be like, like no, no, I'm uh-uh. not, I'm not on your team yeah. either. And then all uh-huh. of a sudden, he's a born again Christian, and yeah, well, just he, like I mean, just like always, like going against where you thought your he was, your expectations, expectations, well, which I love about. Yeah, him. well, that's I'm, part of why he's a, a genius. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I'm and I'm I'm no Bob Dylan, but I also think that it's, um, but th- this is one of the thing, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is like I just for me i feel like there's a place for political music in this moment but i know that other people and other artists are like well you know that's that's okay for some people but then other people are more about trying to create almost like an alternate reality and not not an escape but but like an alternate vision of life and of being a human and not being so focused on 
you know, the time that you're living in, but uh-huh. but having this other thing, which is just sort of a, a, I don't know, just an acknowledgement of a general humanity that doesn't have to do with a particular, you know, time that you're living in or situation or whatever. So I, yeah. I don't know, do you, like, how, do you find that that's something that you think about? Like, should I write about you know, the, the current events that are happening in the world today, or should I just do my own thing, which doesn't necessarily, which isn't necessarily impacted by that. And like, what do you, is that part of your thought process when you write? I follow inspiration. Like if I get freaked out by something, Mm -hmm. then, you know, when, uh, when Trump was first, uh, you know, before he was even the nominee before he was oh. even the nominee oh really yeah. and i just saw some of like the rallies and the sort of like weird vibe of that yeah. that freaked me out and that was yeah. like the last political song i wrote which was the campaign song mm. it was just like i didn't like the vibe of that and yeah. i didn't like the sort of uh yeah so i wrote something very against you know mm-hmm. against trump mm-hmm. and so that that was before he was even the nominee yeah and I did the David Bowie tribute, uh, did Man Who Sold the World, and I mm-hmm. had an American flag paint. And this was also before he was a nominee, and I had an American flag, and it was painted Fuck Trump, and I mm-hmm. held it up at Carnegie Hall and Radio City Music Hall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've taken h- incredible stands like that, you know, and, and got taken a lot of heat for that. Mm-hmm. So I have certainly put my neck out there at times. Mm-hmm. and. Um, and then, you know, and then more recently, I, I'm a little freaked out by the left, too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like the way they've, you know, suddenly there was all these kind of deplatformings of mostly conservative, like, people or whatever, like the Alex Joneses of the world. That, to me, seems spooky, too. Like, mm-hmm. I started getting spooked out by that. Not that I'm a big Alex Jones supporter or even know what he talks about. Just I'm into freedom of speech. Yeah. And I think that's a slippery slope. And mm-hmm. I was like, the whole... I don't have to agree with what you say, but I'll, you know, yeah. you know, defend your right def- to say it to yeah. my death, uh-huh. defend your right to say it. That's the America uh, I grew up uh-huh. believing in, yeah. you know, and still do. Yeah. And then uh, but now recently, like even on this podcast, we had Dave Hill, who's a, a left, like more left side of the uh-huh. scope. And he's been deplatformed from Twitter. So oh, really? at yeah. least they're uh-huh. evening it up. But, <laughs> you know, like uh, to me, all that is very spooky, uh-huh. you know, so I, I'm having a harder time finding out really where I stand. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm not a Trump supporter, but also Joe Biden ain't really flipping my switch either. So, no. uh, you know, I'm a little like I'm a little like, yeah, apolitical at the moment, uh-huh. which is odd. Because mm-hmm. I'm not, like I'm not afraid to take a stand yeah. and take the take the heat for mm-hmm. it, but I'm not really super into either vibe at the yeah. moment, you yeah. know. Um, and so yeah, I'm kind of just stepping back and going mm-hmm. like, okay, let me check this out, you know, and and see see what it is. But if I get a real inspiration to mm-hmm. write a political song, I will, yeah, you know, and I'll take a and I'll take a stand, and I might be. I might be wrong, mm-hmm. I, I might not be right, but I'll at least be honest with where I'm at at yeah. the time. Yeah. So that's my philosophy with it. Okay. You know? And, and, and outside of that, I like, I think music's place is more powerful than even politics. And mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, like it can be a, a healing balm. And I'm kind of more into like trying to mend 
all the sides together yeah. right now because I do think there's too much hatred going back and forth. Absolutely, and I think yeah. this potential civil war, I feel like the media is spurning it on to a degree. I mean, mm. I, I mean, I, I think I, if you're talking about how, um, how the media represents the different sides of, of this issue, um, I mean, I have, a, I have a perspective about it because I used to be a clinic escort at Planned Parenthood mm -hmm. decades ago. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm staunchly pro-choice and have been for a long time and have done a lot of work with Planned Parenthood. But right. the thing that, that I saw um, when I was, like, you know, just at, at the street level, at the very basic level, um, was that the, the fight itself yeah. was something that there was something self-perpetuating about it. There was something of how each group looked at the other group as the other and the enemy yeah. that really kind of, that sort of turned me off. Like at a, at a certain point, yeah. um, at a certain point I was like, if this is really about helping women and if this is right. really about doing something for, you know, for, for women and for babies, yeah. then this, this fight, I mean, it certainly you, you want to be able to participate in the political process to, to help, you know, pressure the lawmakers into doing the right thing. And yeah. that is an important thing. But it seemed to me like like people on both sides were bringing this personal, like, anger and yeah. hatred into the fight, right. which had n nothing to do with the issue at hand and had more to do with just whatever, you know, in us needs to, whatever, like, weird, you know, tribal, hardwired thing is in us where we need to hate somebody. I know. And we need to be upset with somebody who's yeah. doing the wrong thing because that makes us feel better about doing the right thing. Right. And I, and I, I just see that writ so large in, in the world today. That's what I'm talking and, about. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm pro-choice and I think what, what I see is that what's going on right now is uh, you know with the with Alabama and yeah. Missouri and all these other states passing these well, absurd. these bans absurd it's absurd, absurd but it's ones. also something that's yeah. been in in the planning stages for decades yeah. these people the people who who are uh, anti-choice have been planning this for a long time and they've been yeah. uh, you know they're, they're very well funded they're very well organized it's not just something that the media drummed up to yeah. to sort of be like oh hey check this no, out so you can not, all you know here's, yeah. here's some red meat for you guys to fight over yeah. I mean that is the I, way that things get covered right. but, but I just on found this particular it odd issue, the timing of it mm -hmm. you know because the, like the narrative on abortion six months ago was late term mm -hmm. remember like New York passed like some wild stuff about like super late term. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm pro-choice as well, mm -hmm. by the way. Yeah. Just to be clear, but I also think like there's a point where it, it's maybe like. Are you talking about a point where where a fetus is viable outside the woman's womb? And that would then, be that would if, if that would be a point. That would be a point for decides, me. Okay. That well, would, then where, but where's would, but where is the you that, know that would be like a point for me yeah like where it gets there's certain point okay. where to me there is life there and soul there and okay. it's like and 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 if you if that's what you believe yeah. then I think you would also have to say that there needs to be some kind of of a support 
system for if if this woman does not want to carry this yeah. fetus to term for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't like I feel like that's not my business and it's not the state's business. But if that is her choice right. and if this fetus actually is viable, yeah. then there needs to be some kind of like there needs to be a hospital where you can take that baby and put it in the, the NICU and there needs to be funding for that. <sighs> I and agree. There needs to be a system in yeah, place no, I totally where if, if the state's yeah. business is to to say, yes, we are responsible for this life, then the infrastructure has to be there in order to support it and that's one of the things that i get confused by of the whole right to life movement and the whole you know anti-choice movement is it all just seems to be like okay these are the this these are choices that the state's going to make but we're taking zero responsibility for it and that i think is is that's where the logic eludes me yeah i i agree with that Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah what do you what do you think about that though in terms of like once is the there's the fetus is viable outside of the womb or whatever like you I, know. I think if you are going to say that yes the state has an interest in keeping that that person alive yeah uh, who cannot survive outside of the you know mother's womb without all this intense technological you know I mean I've seen babies in a NICU and there you know that's a that's an intense thing um it's it's possible to do but if that's what you are saying is that the state has a, a right to tell that to if the state has a responsibility for that life yeah that the woman no longer wants to or is able to carry right. then there needs to be something in place in order to take care of that life and if we're not willing to do that like i'm i'm willing to you know if that's if that's where you want to go i'm willing to have some of my tax dollars go for that and i'm willing mm-hmm. if if there's going to be a place for that infant to be adopted into a healthy family or to be raised in some kind of way where they're you know, it, it just seems like th- then I'm willing to do that. It just seems like once the baby is born, the people who are anti-choice don't want to take any responsibility for yeah. it and want to put all of that load, all of that burden on not even the father, but just the, the mother. Right. And that is to me, that's, that's but oppression. You, but you know? do you, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. But do you have like a moral like? does it make you queasy morally in terms of just the baby's life? Does it make me queasy morally? In terms um, of the baby's well, life, yeah. Well, I, I, no, because I think if, you know, I think the baby does not Exist have an yet. independent existence right. an outside of, you know, the body of, of this woman who is a person. Right. And so I, I think if so you, you are going to say... So you don't think it's a baby yet until it's born and then it's a baby? I mean, if, if you, if like at, you know... 36 weeks or something if you know if that baby is able to survive outside of the womb and if there's a place for that person to yeah. go and to be raised and to be kept alive until yeah. until they can you know function out in the world then I'm I say yes okay. and let's do it and I I, I will I'd yeah. be willing to have my tax go- dollars go to that and by the way just so, to be clear because I know this is a crazy like uh you know combustible topic we're talking on yeah. i'm talking about very late in the day pregnancies mm-hmm. yeah I'm, i mean I i'm have, not i have to say I, I, I'm that, just, that, that's I what i'm talking that, about that, that, this, this like, is something that this is a narrative that is promoted by the anti-choice people the late term abortion i think they're they're extremely rare it's not like a woman you know will be like oh you know i'm, I'm two weeks from my due date and I'm, I'm getting cold feet I just don't want to do this and then she decides to have you know the baby terminated that, yeah. that's not something that happens that is a narrative that's promoted by anti-choice okay. people again to shame and blame women 
for you know taking for for these decisions that they make. So I, I think that when an abortion happens in a late term, yeah. it is almost a hundred percent for a medically necessary reason in order to save the life of the mother. Well, in that case you know, too, I'm so, for that. Like <laughs> uh, like to be clear, I just want to be very clear about yeah. all that stuff. It's just so. Like, I, so I I feel like even even the fact that someone like you who you know, you're you're paying attention, but it's not like a big focus of yours. Right. That's what you're getting from the media is that it's either oh, it's either you know a late term abortion. Well, that, oh, what a crazy idea! Like that's something that that a very well funded, very powerful, very active uh, anti choice community has put in into the media and has into put into your head so that somebody like you will will be like oh this well this kind of sounds weird to me well, I don't know what I think about this when in reality that situation that you're talking about is extremely rare and it's only it's almost only ever happens because of the mother's life being in danger and because a, a physician is like you cannot bring this baby to term. Well, in that case I'm obviously yeah. like Again, I'm, I mean, I'm pro-choice, so I'm not speaking from the uh, the opposite side of you necessarily. But mm -hmm. I'm no, I'm, you're you're interviewing me, and you want to know what I think about stuff. So I understand where the question comes from. Yeah, and I also yeah, I'm also exploring what I think about mm -hmm. stuff through talking to you, mm -hmm. and it's and you are educating me, you know. So I appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, for real. Uh -huh. Because, uh, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, I mean, we're all subject to media's manipulation. And Absolutely. maybe this late-term abortion uh, controversy uh, I think it's partially got, just got to me a little bit. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I guess so. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Fake news. Well, what do you think, Ehud? Well, uh, it's funny you should ask, Joseph. Um, <clears throat> I think you and I were having this discussion where I said, uh, in terms of uh, rape and incense, or well, I obviously or that no, or is anything absurd like that to me. Like is, that. I said most abortions, when somebody after a traumatic event like that, they know right away they don't want to have the baby. Yeah, it's, it's instant. It's yeah. not like it doesn't go eight months and then they decide, oh, I changed my mind, mm -hmm. and that doesn't really happen. And I felt like what you said, if the states sort of force people to have the babies. Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, that's crazy. Uh, I know, but yeah. let's say that happens. There should at least be something in place where, okay, I'll have the baby, but I don't want to keep it. And I want mm -hmm. and then there should be a system where it goes to adoption because a lot of people are looking to adopt babies and... But I'm not. I'm, but even I'm all so, for the early, that's like early abortion should mm -hmm. be legal. And if someone doesn't want to have, a ch and I have a daughter too, mm -hmm. and when all that was going on in the media, we were walking home past the courthouse, yeah. and there were all those uh, demonstrations. You and your daughter. Yeah, and Carmen was like, "Daddy, what's that?" I said, "Well, Carmen," and and I tried to explain to mm -hmm. an eight-year-old. I said, the, those people out there, they're demonstrating and fighting for your rights. Mm -hmm. uh, and I sort of tried to explain to her and not going into too much yeah. details what they're talking about. And and then when I went home, my, uh, Suzette was like, you did what? She was <laughs> like, you, tried, you went to talk to, to yeah. her about abortions and that. And I said, well, I feel it's, a, it's an important topic yeah. and she needs to know. And um and if you, you know, if an eight-year-old asks a question yeah, of, you yeah, know, her dad, then you need to be able to frame that in such a way that she's going to have some kind of understanding of it. I mean, that's, yeah. hey, that's parenting, man. You, they I'm, ask I'm, you shit that I, you have no idea what to say about. If a woman wants about. to abort, she should abort, and it's her her body and her choice, and it's nobody else's business. That's mm -hmm. what I think, that's too. My yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and even, to, even to say that, you know, uh, uh, the woman should be, you know, 
you can just give the baby up for adoption. That's, you know, that's from the perspective of somebody who's never been never pregnant had, and given exactly, birth, birth exactly. in their I life, know, it's you not, know. It's yeah. not, I mean, that's yeah. like, you know. That's not. But, yeah. Anyway. Um, next topic. Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's this talk is about a the heavy topic. Yeah. How does, how wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm really kind of for the but government staying out mm-hmm. of our lives to a degree, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, what do you think about that? Like that, like. I, you know, I mean, I believe in in bodily autonomy for yeah. all people you know yeah. i don't i don't think people should be able to you know be that you can't tell somebody what to do inside their own body and uh, there's no restrictions know. for men no no <laughs> right that's i mean that's the other part of it that's that's part of why it's uh, oppression is that it's it's just about women being solely responsible for this thing which they were not solely responsible yeah. for uh you know for making happen in the first place so you know but anyhow, the nature of life. Yeah, it's wild, uh-huh. man. This, that's that's a it's a rough subject, though. It is, you know. I think if you because I understand <laughs> also, like I I you know I understand the fact that like the pro lifers, a lot of them really just think it's a baby, you know. Mm-hmm. So like I get it from their perspective, I, yeah. which is like mm-hmm. so. It's like yeah, I just wish people would be less sort of angsty about mm. debating it but i guess you know i but don't know they're saying it's yeah. a baby but they're not saying it's a baby but don't worry we'll help you when it comes and we'll take care yes. of it and we'll give you money and we'll make sure it goes to college and all this mm-hmm. thing that like a 14 year old cannot like mm-hmm. my my one rule before having a child was I like mean, if, college. I don't, if i don't have the money <laughs> i will not have a kid because yeah. bringing a child into a poor family or, or a situation where the parents cannot support it mm-hmm. is just it will ruin that child's life and to force somebody to have a child who cannot support it the minute it's born, it, you're ruining the baby's life, the mother's life, the family's life. Mm-hmm. So if you're yeah. going to do that, put something in place where, yeah, I care about the baby and I'll also help you take care of yeah. it once it's born. Like, don't yeah. worry, you're not on, on your own. Yeah. But they're like, no, you're going to have it and then it's your problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean... I mean, I have, you know, I I grew up in Kentucky and my family was, you know, a lot of people in my family are still very Catholic. And yeah. I have people in my family who are, you know, anti-choice and very, you know, very vocal about it and very active. Right. But, I, you know, but they're, you know, I have an aunt and an uncle and Christian. that's that's their that's their feeling. Mm-hmm. But they also have stepped in to help people like within their family. Yes. But to help people raise kids who were not equipped to raise kids yeah. and so they so to that extent i feel like at least they're they're putting their money where their mouth is and they're doing yeah. something positive instead of just blaming and shaming someone and leaving them out in the cold to deal with the situation that they that they're being forced to deal with and, and i feel like as a society that that's just wrong mm. oh. that's just wrong all right, let's change yeah. the subject. Yeah, that's once you, getting once too you dark. Br- <laughs> once you bring up oh babies God. and dumpsters, it's definitely time to change uh, the subject. Yeah. All right, Metallica right. versus Megadeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I I don't know much about all either right. one. You know. Let's pick uh, an angel card. Oh, okay. You know, this yeah. is <laughs> this is all going to end up on I the cutting room floor. <laughs> should it? Do you think it? Do, wait, do you think it should end uh, up on the cutting no, room floor? No, I don't think so. I'm just a you know. I wonder, it's, like, I, mean, I feel like my career rated, is right? over now because I just <laughs> even questioned as something. Oh, you're going to get a lot of people. In it. Well, but we so? both will. Look, I mean, I got death threats when What If God Was One Of Us came out oh, because yeah. people knew that I was pro-choice and they thought that I was singing a song that was, 
you know, blasphemous, and uh, people were picketing outside my but shows I, and all that stuff. It just I believe you're gonna in, upset I believe in somebody. God. You know? I believe I believe in a creator. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, like uh, when you guys are talking about pro-choice and all the points you're bringing up, it just it does make sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's like okay, I get that. You know, it's just I get queasy about the super late term. That to me seems like bonkers. But like you said, if that's just, super super rare, so and rare, in, in and the I cases think, think, and in the cases you know, of like in the case of a uh you know if it's a life-threatening situation of course mm-hmm. so i'm uh, you know i would you know anyway was that yeah. like a phase the death threats did it yeah. eventually go away like, it did how, yeah yeah how did mm-hmm. you react to that i just i mean it gave me a little bit of pause and then i was just like you know what screw those people i mean that's i'm not gonna stop how many what am death I gonna threats? Do? Was it a Stop. lot or was it a few? Or? It, it, this was before email, right? Mm, this was before email. So they were they were letters. letters. <laughs> yes, they were physical letters. What did they yeah. mail them to? <laughs> they mailed them to the record company or my management office or something, and, <laughs> and you know how, nobody read them before they gave them to me, and I was oh, just like, ah. It was because you were introducing the concept of mm-hmm. God being us, like you yeah. being God. That was the thing, probably. Yeah. Well, not me being God, but that, I mean, any, for, for me it was all it was it was people being part of God and that that and that's you know there are religious traditions uh, you mm-hmm. know Buddhism and all that 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 is part of their doctrine is that we are all part of God and we are I all think, holy I think that's what and Jesus was talking about was I, that you are so God too. like in and, and mm-hmm. he was just being an example of that I like, think so too and I think he was also talking about you know like this story of the good samaritan you talk about you know as you treat the low the lowest of mine is the same that you treat same way you treat me and i think there's you know the song can be read in that way as well as you know just what if god was a slob and a stranger on the bus Uh and what would you what would you do then and what what do you do when you're faced with god's creations all the time who who have fallen you know through the cracks of society and need your help you know i mean if you if what you care about is life there are so many ways that you can help people who are alive and it, there yeah. are so many ways that you can uh, you know there's so many people who need help and there are so many children that need help there are so yeah. many infants that need help there are ways that you can help if that's what you believe and right. i think you know do i you know again this is another part of this feeling of always sort of falling short i i believe that and i believe in life and i believe in helping you know all kinds of people who have fallen below fallen in between the cracks i do some stuff for them and i do benefits and i you know tithe certain amounts of money and stuff but i don't spend my whole life you know i don't i I walk past somebody who's in the street and you know if i don't have any change on me or if i just you know i'm not going to stop and talk to that person and bring them Mm -hmm. home to my house and give them a shower and you know like there there might be i don't do that you know so but do you talk to them mm -hmm. and acknowledge them ever sometimes i do yeah Yeah, sometimes i don't sometimes i just walk right on past yeah of course but you know but as long as you do it sometimes i mean Mm -hmm. i think that you know there's you know i think there's reasonable you know amounts of things we Mm -hmm. can do like where you know where you don't have to like put your life out of balance or at risk and you can Mm -hmm. still like I find like if I give like a dollar or a couple bucks or something to somebody who's homeless and you know say God bless you and like look them in the eyes mm-hmm. and just acknowledge their yeah, being they they, they light up because that's yeah. what they need more almost as much as anything it's just right, yeah. acknowledgement that they exist because mm-hmm. they become invisible and people just yes. tend to ignore them and that's a form of torture mm-hmm. 
you know and so i find that like and that just makes me feel good you know mm -hmm. like i, I there's this one guy on the street who was like came up to me at, at, at when i was eating at westville and i'm like i don't have money i don't you know and mm -hmm. i didn't i had no change i'm like mm -hmm. bro i don't have change yeah. and he just wouldn't leave <laughs> and then the next day i saw him on the street and i and i had change and uh -huh. i go here i wasn't lying yesterday <laughs> and we had such a fun moment like uh -huh. he just smiled and i was uh -huh. like i told you i wasn't lying yeah. <laughs> and then just like to like just to you know like even rib them a little bit mm -hmm. but like you know like that felt so good to do and i yeah. think if people do that kind of thing you know mm -hmm. but you don't got to invite somebody to your crib to take a shower either no, <laughs> like but there are there are people you know, who would say that that's you know that's I what know, you should do is open your home that's to, a little you know, dangerous, it, it is dangerous. <laughs> i have a, i have a kid i'm not gonna do yeah. that you know I'm not going to be like come into my house with my teenage daughter. No, that's not going to happen. I got a nice no. microphone in my place. You cannot come in my house. <laughs> Boundaries. 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 I'm yes. learning uh -huh. about those yeah. these days. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. our podcast already Can got I? canceled, bro. <laughs> Damn! Can I do a follow-up? Follow <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like I'm just, I, I was just, having uh, a great time, I'm and just I invited Joan that to my podcast. Five, we're done already. <laughs> That's sick. Oh That's god, so sick. and my career's over. Uh, oh well, I'm, I'm with gonna, you, man. I'm gonna become a boxer anyway. I got a follow-up, Joan. <laughs> yeah. what? Uh, about one of us. Yeah. So <laughs> Eric Eric Bazilian wrote it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Did he get death threats, or nobody knew that he wrote uh, it? You know, not. I don't. Uh, people that you know not everybody knows that i didn't write the song um thanks so I uh yeah <laughs> no i'm i'm happy to have that out there because I, I you know i can't tell you the number of times when people are like you know i just wanted to tell you when you were writing that song what were you thinking of and what and yeah. i'm like dude i have to i, I didn't, didn't write this song so yeah. it's it's nice to not have to explain that over and over again but um you know i don't know i never asked him he he never brought it up so i'm assuming that that didn't happen to him and, no and from you said you were starting to sing on your own and you had the bands like so from mm -hmm. being an unknown how does that song land in your lap well uh we were working we were writing songs for the record and doing all this you know pre-production and stuff which took months and months to do and eric and rob hyman from the band the hooters that philly band and the producer uh, rick chertoff we were all working together five days a week and living in the so same house and so he was there well he was he was there already and uh so it just was like you know eric is one of these kind of people who doesn't like he's a he's a very interesting artist because he doesn't have that filter that most people have mm -hmm. of like should i say this or not or am i going to offend should somebody or not is this stupid or not, or not? yeah <laughs> he's a guy like that so you know so so ideas just kind of like you know, come into his head and then he just puts him out there. And so at, you know, like four o'clock in the morning, he woke up with this weird idea of like, I, I, this is a song. And he wrote it in one rush. He, in his mind, he had the guy from Crash Test, Crash, Crash Test, Test Dummies, Dummies singing it. Yeah. Roberts. The guy with the really low voice. What if yeah. God was one That's of how us. he heard it in his head. And so he brought it in to say, check this song out that I wrote in the middle of the night. And the producer, Rick, was like, I think you should give that song to Joan because maybe that's going to be better. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll try it. And uh, to me... That moment changed your life then. It, it did, yeah. I mean, in a way, yeah. I don't. I feel like I would still be doing music if I hadn't had a hit song. Uh, and who knows what, uh, you know, I might be even doing better. <laughs> who knows? But yeah. you never can, can tell. Uh, but right, it definitely changed my card. life. Yeah, pick a card. Do you want to pick a card on Helium, Joan? 
Uh, sure. Hold on, then. Don't read it yet. Okay. <clears throat> I'll be I'll be helium J down. instead of helium G. Ah. Okay. I'll go I know I know helium G. Oh, you do? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit anyway. <laughs> um, I got some random questions for you. Okay. Do you know how to change a flat tire? Uh, mm, I've never had to, but I bet I could figure it out if I needed to. Cats or dogs? Both. Ozzy or Ronnie James Dio? That's a tough one, a isn't it? That is tough. I th- They're both great singers. I mean, I think I just, I probably just know so much more about Ozzy because everybody thinks that I'm his daughter. So, uh, oh, that's so yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I would have to say Ozzy. Um, and what's the most obscure thing about you that people don't know? Oh, the most that was Ahud's question. <laughs> thing about me that people don't know is probably something that no one would even care about, and that's why it's obscure. And I probably don't even remember what it is. Let's see. Um, that's a non-answer so far. Yeah, it is. It's, it is. Um, <laughs> I, I've been watching political coverage, so I know how to not answer a question. Yeah. Okay. Mm. You do look a little bit like Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> what? Take that back. Take that, Take it back. Take that back. Jeez. I do not. <laughs> She's so right, much prettier. <laughs> so much prettier than Kellyanne Conway. I'm going on record with that. Come on, man. Come on, bro. I didn't come here to be abused. I mean, damn. I can get that from my teenage daughter at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Through a, I, through a closed so door. I, I inhale. I'm actually writing a song about her, though. So, uh. Okay. Let's give it a good. And then read the card, and then we interpret it. Light and love. <laughs> your purpose Your purpose is to bring divine healing light and love to this world. I kind of knew that already about myself, I think. You know? Yeah. That's in, in my best moments, that's what I think, you know, my right livelihood of doing music is. I mean, is that, isn't that what you think? Yeah, definitely. But you have to, no, come on, you have to do it as Helium G. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait. <laughs> Hello, yeah. Light and love. I think, uh, yeah, I think the purpose of music is to bring light and love and to also make people question things. Make and people question things. Yeah. And, um, question but yeah, the and nature heal, of reality. And, and, and heal. And, yeah. yeah, and question the nature of reality. Okay. Let me pick a card. All right. School. The answer that you're seeking involves going to school. I guess oh not. Boy. Oh boy. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this one. I, sometimes I think I should go back and finish my college degree because I'm a college dropout. I never went to college. No. There's people no. who are very proud of themselves for never going to college. Like all, all the tech bros out in Silicon Valley, if, yeah. like, if they never went to college, they like congratulate yeah. themselves on that. I'm not upset that I never went to college. I went. It was a waste of time. Okay. Why was it a waste of time? Because I went. Because I picked a subject <laughs> that I wasn't really interested in. So for what? four years, I was just wait. Cause Why did you do that? <laughs> I was under the false impression that I needed a degree in order to get a job. Oh, on. So I, was like, I see. Oh, let me just do geography because it's super easy. And I got a degree without reading a book or going to the library or doing anything. Yeah, and okay. Well. Later on, you get out of it what you put into it, dude. Yeah, (laughs) I would have, you know, went a different route. Saved all that money, yeah. Mm. What's your card say? 
But it's the same card I got last time. Freedom, you're free to do what you choose. We need a new. We need a You need to shuffle. Well, so let's take that. Let's say, so if you are indeed free to do whatever you choose, uh-huh. what are you not doing now that you could be doing, thinking that you're not free to do it? That's a that's a tough one. I have an answer for that. Okay. But you don't want to you don't want to say it publicly. <laughs> All right, I'll give I'll give it to Joe then. What are you free to do that you should be doing, but you uh, but you're being held back from thinking that you're not free? Hmm. Uh, I guess immediately I would say being a stand-up comedian. Ooh. That's what I would like to be. Ooh. I would I would like to do that. And you know I'd like to be a boxer too, but uh-huh. like, and I'm doing that. But yeah, like, also, like training. I train yeah. really hard with that, and because I, 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 it's such a passion of mine. But I like, I feel like a little long in the tooth to actually enter into a competitive space with it. Yeah, and you might not want your might, face to get all bashed yeah. up either. Yeah, and I do, I do spar, and I do uh-huh. get hit in the face sometimes, and that's not exactly the fun part of no. it. But stand-up comedian, uh-huh. like, I would like to do that. What about you? I think I would like to take two years off and just like go away somewhere and not, not even like I love doing music and I know it's a privilege and an honor and I know oh, I should I be you. super grateful to do it. Yeah. But there's times when I just feel like I just want to go away and <coughs> just be somebody else for a little while. Yeah. Just because life is short and Absolutely. who knows what other adventure I might fall into or what other other part of my yeah. being might able to might be able to blossom yeah. because this other thing has been put on the shelf for a while. It's not like I would never come back to it. Yeah. But uh, that's that's what I am free to do even though I don't do it. My answer uh, can is you, what she said. Oh. Take two years off? Just, you know, Quit the business? If, if you didn't have <laughs> all the... You wouldn't. The, you'd, the you'd quit. You'd quit the podcast. Life. No, but it's we're gonna get canceled anyway <laughs> after this one. So <laughs> to travel and just go somewhere and uh-huh. just like you know not not have to worry about your kids and your work and just go. Really? Because I see you as like enjoying that stuff so much. I'm you not, seem to, and you're I so do. passionate like, about it. Like randomly, I can't just go to Thailand for two weeks right now if I wanted. Thailand? Yeah, Who said just, something about Thailand? I'm just saying, that's controversial. I would love to do. Or just yeah. go wherever. Just, yeah. Know, like, sometimes you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just stay home. I mean, that that for me would be great, to be able to stay home yeah. with, my, with my kid. Yeah. And just be with her as, you know, as uncomfortable as that might be in certain mm-hmm. ways. I've, you know, I'm still so connected to her. And when I have to go away for work, uh, you know, I, I feel I feel bad about that. I feel bereft. Yeah. I have taken some significant time off mm-hmm. of touring, actually, yeah. recently. I'm actually getting ready to start touring again in the fall. Well, what did you do with that time off? I mean, oh, I know you're, you're yeah. like boxing and getting uh, in super crazy good shape. Crazy you're, good. You're such an inspiration. Like, I, I try to... Well, anyway, that's that's some bullshit. I don't do nearly as much as I should to be in shape. There's another way I'm falling short, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, but uh, I but I, I watch. Beating yourself up. Okay, that's a good idea. You know what you. I mean? I'll take that suggestion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like you're too mm-hmm. hard on yourself. Yeah. It's like none of us are perfect. Yeah. I mean, I've just lost half my fan base bringing up abortion, <laughs> for instance. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know, it's like. <laughs> it's like but see you you forgive yourself for not being I'm try- perfect i'm trying that's to. what i i have, have to, to take a long that. nap yeah. after this but yeah i have to master that yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah but like none of us are perfect and that that those kind of like that disparaging thought of yourself in your head isn't mm-hmm. helping you 
come bring into that. That's that, the thing, yeah. That's the other thing with the Ho'oponopono. Mm. It can help you, like, it can help you, uh, if you apply it to yourself mm-hmm. as well, it, like, breaks those old chains, mm. and, uh, uh, you know, that uh, it allows you to live, you know, from a place of, of inspiration mm. rather than memory, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, um, and of loving yourself and, and accepting lo- yourself and loving, in the way that someone yeah. in your family or someone who, who loves you would do and would yeah. cut you some slack if you're not perfect. Yeah. Like that's, that's the uh, place that I, yeah. I could spend more time in that self acceptance and self forgiving place. You know, yeah. Sure. And then, and uh, maybe that two years off would allow me to do that. Yeah. <laughs> or I, maybe it's just a, and also a it's like si- just simple habits. Like in terms of like, I think a lot of times people psych themselves out, like in terms of getting into shape, man, if you just get up in the morning first thing and push yourself a little bit and go run for a mile, that makes such a huge difference. That's like a ten minute run, and you just breathe in air. For you, that's ten minutes. That's, I was, you know, for me, that's like it's seven mile, minutes. Yeah. You, know, you know, you know, but like you could, like, okay, you could walk a mile yeah. in four in eleven minutes, okay, yeah. or twelve minutes. It's yeah. it's twelve minutes, mm. uh, you know. And I used to, I used to be really into hot yoga, you and know. I did. I got oh, man, every I morning hot did yoga. hot yoga. Yeah. But then I like tore ligaments in my hips from and in my shoulder from doing it too much and doing it in like. You know, I guess I was pushing myself too hard and I really messed myself up. Mm. And so I've had to leave that behind. But I do. I like swimming. I like biking. Swimming is I good. I do those things. I like hiking. Hey, can so. we sing like Ho'oponopono and cl- sure. clear the energy and sure. see how this works? Show me works? how to do it. Let's do that. Let's try this. Yeah. Um, and then we'll sing it together okay. and just like. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, thank you. I love you, I'm sorry. cut the whole thing out except that <laughs> just put that on a loop that was and that nice, could be your podcast it? yeah yeah well hopefully yeah. i mean hopefully that discussion I- isn't too 
what do you call it? I don't it? think so. I think I, it's I'm okay. not afraid of it. No, you know, I think it's. I'm uh, not afraid of it either because no. it's like, you know, these are confusing topics, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and obviously the world is, there's, there's many people divided about it and it's like, we're just discussing mm -hmm. it and yeah. calm down everybody. I, you know, I certainly don't have the answers. I'm learning. I'm a student of life mm -hmm. and I'm not claiming to have any answers. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, um, and, and well, I, I that's, a, and that's I a very humble place to come from. And that's, that's where I'm uh, coming from. And that's, that's, that's that is. I, I think there's there could, there's a lot more room for that in public discourse. Yeah, because I think that there is this. It's a very egocentric uh, place of you know I, I want to be right. Yeah, I know what's right. Yeah, if you disagree with me, I'm yeah. going to tell you you're wrong, and I'm going to hate on you. Right. And you know, it's it's a that's a very scary thing that's happening in this time so if we can if we can come from more of a humble place of this is what i believe yeah and i i can see your point and i yeah. see why you feel the way you do right and i respect you even but though i disagree, I disagree. and yeah. even though i and even though fine. i disagree and i might work very hard to try to bring about this thing that <laughs> i think is important yeah. which is in opposition to what you want right. it doesn't mean i have to hate you exactly mm -hmm. and and it doesn't yeah and i and i certainly don't think people should be like putting laws on women's choices about that kind of thing just to be well, finally clear Good. about that Good. yeah <laughs> no i i was yeah. always coming from that place yeah. but yeah no i understand and just the, the yeah mm -hmm. so anyway i just all right. Pick one of these dragon cars. Okay. It's a beautiful card. Yeah, I like these. And then what do I do? Same Just one. read it. We don't need to do helium because okay. helium's All dangerous. Right. Too much of it. Air and water dragon. I'm a cancer, so I'm a water sign. I'm a grand trine in water signs, uh -huh. somebody told me, which means I'm very emotional. Uh, air and water dragon helps you to connect to higher frequencies. Trust your intuition, develop mm. your psychic abilities, be open to enlightenment, express your inner song. Wow. Wow. Okay, what that's on point. What's that mean to you? Well, I mean, I'm gonna look at that last sentence, yeah. express your inner song. That's an obvious right after thing we just of what I yeah, too. of what yeah. I like am I I just wanna question myself to make sure that I'm that I am expressing my inner song and that I'm going deep enough in my music to really get to the, to the, the place that's, uh, you know, hard to reach and maybe scary yeah. and, uh, and going, going deep enough. Cause that's, uh, you know, that's our job as artists is mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, lay that on the line. Um, be open to enlightenment, develop your psychic abilities, trust your intuition. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, that's a, that's a, a directive to not get too in my head because that, that's one thing that I uh, that's a habit that I have is to get lost in my intellect because I have you know yeah. ever since I was little everybody's told me I was smart uh -huh. and um, which is a, it's wonderful but I think I grabbed onto that so tightly that I let that sort of define me in a way that cut off some avenues to other parts of myself and like yeah. we were talking about of how music really galvanized me when I first started to do it I think that's mm -hmm. that's been my tool to connect to the other parts of me and not just go from my head all the time yeah. so I think those three sentences that's what that means to me mm -hmm. yeah because you have like a enormous soul and it comes through in your voice it's got this I feel like you got a like a magical glass-like quality in your voice. It's mm. like it's hard to pinpoint what I think about when I hear you sing, mm. but it is this feeling of like this magical glass mm. quality. Cool. 
Yeah. Thank you. That's the, Thank that's you. the texture of it to uh-huh. me. Yeah. Thank you. It's very just you, too. Huh. Like, I don't hear that in other singers. There's a certain quality that... Well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Not to be flattering, but it's true. That's okay. Yeah. Because we worked together a lot yeah. back back in the day. We back did, in yeah. Back in the, yeah, what was it, the 90s, yeah, even. Yeah, it was the yeah. 90s, yeah. With T-Bone Burnett for T-bone, a second. Yeah. and mm-hmm. um, and then together or just write together? We wrote in th- we were in the studio together. Yeah, we were in the studio. I don't think you were singing on that record. No, but I was playing some instruments mm-hmm. and we were just yeah. we were just working. It was like uh, I was like yeah, I was super into it. Yeah. And yeah. we've sung together doing other things. I would think. I feel like I've sung on some of your stuff. Maybe. Yeah, we should I? sing together yeah. though. Our voices we sound should. good together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. I mean, there's, uh, this new record's not quite done, so maybe there's a space for yeah. that. Yeah. Well, I certainly want record. you to be on my new record. Yeah. Absolutely. I would love to. I, there's love a to. final song on it I want you to be You're on. You're so talented, man. I just... So. I would love to. That would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that was such a... That was a crazy time. Yeah. 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 I was I was a bit <laughs> I was bonkers for yeah. sure. You were yeah. I was a little worried about you. Yeah, yeah. you uh-huh. took care of me and I appreciate that. And yeah. I just wanted to say that too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Thanks. because you helped me out. I remember yeah. that night in Hollywood. Uh-huh. We were, yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah we don't yeah. have to go into details, but uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was uh Where was this? <sighs> um in the 90s. Yeah, in the yeah. 90s, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was really out of my mind. You were doing w- some dangerous shit. I was doing dangerous chemicals mm. at that point. How did you end up with T-Bone and with Joan? Well, well, T-Bone uh, brought... I, I went to T-Bone to, w- for help with finishing a record, and mm-hmm. T-Bone brought Joe in, and that's how we met. And how did he know you? Uh, because he produced my second record, Come to Where I'm From, oh, which mm-hmm. is the name of this podcast. So... I did, yeah. I mean, we, uh, yeah, we we got along real well, you know. How was it to working us first? With uh, it w- it's intense and interesting. Um, he's a very interesting character, you know. Very. Uh, um, so you immediately said yes and just went. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and also to work with Joan, you know. And um, Rick Will was the engineer. Oh, yeah. Carla Azar was yeah. the drummer. Yeah, Carla's such a good drummer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She plays with Jack White now. And yeah. Yeah. And great. then Mitchell Froome ended up. Mitchell Froome ended up coming in and finishing com- Coming it. in yeah. and finishing Because I, I had a, a not, yeah. I did not have a good experience with T-Bone. And yeah. And we parted ways. And uh, yeah. so. Uh, I remember. Yeah. I remember that day. Yeah. There's it wasn't, it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's intense, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Anyway, we can change the subject. Yeah. No, I mean he's done yeah. he's done a lot of things that I really respect and stuff, but it just yeah. didn't it, it, it was not working. And uh, you've sung with a lot of people over the years. I yeah, have, yeah. Uh, like other, I saw you were touring with like the Dixie Chicks. You yeah. toured with you did the Lilith Fair when I first mm-hmm. first Lilith yeah. Fair. How was that? I mean, that was that was great. Um, I I loved it because. You know, when you do, when you're on the road, mostly you're just sort of with your own little group of people, and it's like this little bubble that you travel around the world in, and you don't get to connect with other people as much. Um, And if you do a festival, maybe you get to, like, 
you know, say hi backstage to people for 15 minutes or, you know, go see their show, whatever. And, and then you all go your separate ways. Mm -hmm. But if you are, if you're doing one of these touring things like the Lilith Fair, you get to really spend some time with people. And so I got to know like the Indigo Girls and I got to meet Emmylou Harris, who is one of my all time heroes. And I got her? to, yeah, I got to sing with her. I got to, you know, hang out with her backstage and become friendly with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and just, it was great in, in that way, in just sort of a social way and being able to connect with other artists. It's uh, it was really, really meaningful. And then also it was, you know, it was a huge success and playing in front of really big audiences. And, right. you know, I, I've, I got to say, I love that. You know, I, I like course. small gigs. I like big gigs. And, and uh, that was really fun. It's fun when it's and, packed, um, small or big. It's fun when yeah. it's, it's fun when it's <laughs> packed. I yeah. like, you know. Yeah, and also just, you know, from the sort of the feminist angle, it was kind of flying in the face of all these, uh, you know, kind of unspoken rules that the music business had of like, you can't put too many women on the same bill because you won't be able to sell tickets and all that kind of stuff. So oh, it really, really just sort of exploded all that. And uh, and that was gratifying, too. Yeah. And, and also Cheap Trick, too. You toured with them? I toured with Cheap Trick a little bit, with the Funk Brothers, the original Motown studio band. Mavis Staples. Mavis Staples, oh my God. I love her so much. She's putting you out know, a record with Ben Harper. Now, I know. Oh my who's god. My guy. Yeah. I love Ben. He's great. Yeah. yeah. Um I love Mavis so much and I I have to say to kind of bring it full circle back to one of the things that we were talking about about how music uh you know can be helpful in this moment. Uh -huh. You know, Mavis was to me was such a shining example of including everyone. And, you know, she she comes out and she does songs which are, you know, which have a political, you know, vibe to them. Like, stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going around. And, you know, some of the stuff that's that um, has been written for her by Jeff Tweedy and yeah. and, you know, and some of the stuff from Ben Harper. I saw her recently at the yeah. Apollo and she does these songs, but she's not wagging a finger in anybody's face and saying, right. I'm you know, you need to do this or that. She's yeah. including everyone. She's inviting everyone. Everyone. She's I saying, like come with me. Yeah. We're all going to go together. And, you know, it, it's it's that gospel thing of we're all human beings and we all yeah. are, are in this together and we yeah. can do this together. See, I love and that. I'm all that's, for that. That is such a, like, she does that every night, everywhere she goes. Yeah. And I was in such awe of that. And I was like, wow, if I can try to do that's that, power. that is such power. And that is such an important thing to do right now. That's power versus force. Yeah. One is force and power always is, because I'm reading this book right now called Power. I'm trying to sound smart real quick, <laughs> but like, I'm reading this book called <laughs> Let Power. Let me chime in. Power uh -huh. versus force. Uh -huh. It's just, when you said that, I'm like, oh, that's power. Mm -hmm. Like all, like including everybody yeah. and just like, yeah, that's like, Versus force is like, right, you're right. wrong. Like, yeah. you know. I'm going to force you to do what I want you to do yeah. because I know what's right and you don't versus right. here's where we're all at. This is what I this is what I believe. You can come with me and we can be in this together and it's going to be great and it's going to be fun and I love you. Yeah. You know, that that is, to, if you can use your music to get that message out to this country and this world at this time, yeah. that is so important to be able to do. I agree. I, that's uh you know, I feel like my new record, this is going right into a self-promotion, but <laughs> no, but for real though, like I feel like my new record is real positive in that uh -huh. way. Like it's like a lot of real positive songs That's com great, coming from trauma and uh -huh. stuff like that and come in trying to bring that spirit into it. People I guess, need that too. People need to be healed by it because, yeah. you know, I mean, you and me are, are 
privileged, Absolutely. but there's people who are getting damaged in, in yeah. you know, right now. And right. so we need to do our part to heal people too. Yeah. I guess people would say like, you know, like some people would think that kind of philosophy is a cop out and like there's more, you know, but I feel like, yeah, the more people like get like, ha- they're, they're having this internal anger and it's kind of like they're bringing up their internal anger and mm-hmm. it's manifesting through these like public exactly public debates exactly but it's Mm -hmm. like it it feels like sometimes when it gets to be like that sort of vitriolic Mm -hmm. it feels to me like it's coming from a a, a unhinged personal space a lot of the time it's coming from a place of ego instead of a place of wanting to serve yeah and wanting to wanting to help people yeah it really is yeah Yeah. and when i see that then i i'm always a little bit like Hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but that doesn't need to put you off from doing like if you feel like there's work to be done to, you know, support people or organizations mm-hmm. or whatever that you believe are doing good work. Right. It doesn't matter that there's some other like loudmouth people who are just using that platform to express their aggression or their ego. Right. You, you can still be part of it yeah. and you can still help out, um, you know, because as you say nobody's perfect and right. and the people who are being helped probably don't care if it's the loudmouth egotist or if it's you know the person with the open heart who's helping them they just want the help yeah yeah you can still be active yeah and you can yeah yeah all right let's see what mine what's says what's your card say orange gold dragon from arcturus opens you to knowledge for the new golden age carry the energy of the future be a guiding light mm that last sentence is very powerful. Be a yeah, guiding be light. Yeah, be a guiding light. Yeah. Do you know this songwriter, Foy Vance? I've heard the name. He's got a song called Guiding Light I think you would love. And huh. uh, he's, he's the real deal. I did this, I was doing this um, show at a, uh, it was a Mother's Day show at a women's prison upstate New York. Wow. And, um, and I was trying to figure out, oh, what am I going to do? What songs are we going to do? And I started scrolling around on the internet of like, who else you know, has performed in prison and what have they done? And I found a, a video of this guy, Foy Vance, uh-huh. and he has this song, Guiding Light. That's so and, interesting. Uh, it's, and the, uh, I think the, the chorus is, uh, when I need to get back home, you're my guiding light. That's interesting. And I just thought, wow, what a sentence, what a song to drop in the middle of this group of women who were it was all the women who had children on the <coughs> wow. outside so to to say to them they're they're trying to you know envision a place for themselves outside of these walls mm-hmm. and you know it it must be that their children are their guiding light to help get them out of this situation and to help do whatever they need to do to uh you know to either serve their time or improve themselves or whatever to to be the kind of person that they want to be for their child mm-hmm. and so that that's how i found out about him was from, from searching for that i and, love that uh, name yeah it's a great name i think he's an irish guy or something so much synchronicity in what you just last said too mm-hmm. because i used to watch the guiding light the soap opera <laughs> with my mom yeah yeah <laughs> like and and yeah wow and that and yeah Okay. And then the, you're bringing up the what woman, woman's like? prison oh, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just like a lot of heaviness yeah. right there. Just like I, is I just, your mom still around? Yeah, but we're uh, yeah. It's a it's a difficult. You guys real, are estranged. A, a little bit. I'm a little sorry about that. Yeah, I'm real sorry about that too. Yeah. yeah so it's like uh, so it's just yeah. I find synchronicity in things like that a lot. Hmm. Just like real quick, like the 
You made know? you think of her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that whole sentence, and then like if a sign rolls by on a bus or numbers, yeah. this, that, the other. Do you pay attention to things like that? Synchronicity is that interest you? Just or oh, synchronicity, synchronicity yeah. or things, things of that nature, sure. like the universe speaking to you in other levels and other huh. layers. Do, yeah, do you get secret that? messages. Yeah, and, and not not necessarily in the sense that there is some consciousness trying to communicate directly to me, mm-hmm. but that all these things are, you know, we're sort of awash in them all the time, yeah. and there are only certain moments when we're tuned in enough to pick up right. on it. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, I mean, that's what people say about writing a song is that yeah. the songs are just in the air all the time. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you get yourself into the right headspace and if you have the right practice, then you can pluck them out of the air and you can be that conduit for the songs. You yeah. know? And, but you, you know, not everybody either can or wants to, or has the, the time to do it. So, yeah, I think the universe is communicating to us all the time oh, yeah. and in ever in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And if you just want to be open to it. To the degree you're willing to be open to it, to the degree that you're able to be open yeah. to it, because it's also if how much can you take? How much? <laughs> it's exactly that. How much yeah. can you take? Uh-huh. Because it's like it's there, but you just can't handle. Yeah. You, you can't handle you the can't truth. Handle. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the universe. You know, that, like you, you know, that's like uh, I really think. Yeah. That, I really believe uh-huh. that, you know, just even mm-hmm. that, like, you know, anyway. Yeah. Joe, Joe tells me about that a lot. And yeah. I always, like, take it with a grain of sand, but, like. A grain of salt or sand? I'm a foreigner. I always anyway, take it with throwing sand in his face. <laughs> we were coming back. Uh-huh. Me and Joe were coming back from Webster Hall from seeing uh, Empire of the Sun. Uh-huh. And we were talking about how we need to make an impression with the podcast. R- and right. As we're crossing the street, this huge, huge mm-hmm. semi trailer makes the turn, and on the side of it, and like it's if there ever was a sign, yeah. huge letters that <laughs> says "Make a big impression." <laughs> and he looks at me, and I look at him, and I'm like, "Dude, if there ever like there could not be a bigger the letters." No, it was like it was so extreme. It was like top comic right it was like man, it'd be like if it was in a side, movie it would be yeah. like that's yeah. like bad bad yeah. script it's, it's too no over the top like yeah. it was like it really did like it was like yeah it was just like yeah yeah and the more you open yourself up to that the more it will appear for you mm-hmm. you know too yeah. and then um and then, of course, if you told a shrink about it, they would say that is um, symptoms of psychosis. Yeah, that you think that the whole universe is about you and or, that people are trying or to Or not even that it's you. about you, that the universe is... I, oh, see, I don't yeah. think it's about me. I think mm-hmm. it's communicating to all of us. To everyone, yeah. All the time. Yeah. Like, I don't, think, I don't think I'm special in that regard mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. But I do think it's communicating. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, yeah, but... What's your dragon well, we're card? All, we're all stardust, man. That's what Again? we came from. I got this three times in a row. Well, so, so no, no. So take a different one then. Well, I'll just say it. Here, I'm, I'm taking. Harness. I want a, I want a different life yeah, card take too. Take a different card. Harness, this is why I like these life cards. Harness the divine feminine power of creation. Oh my God! Oh, you well, do if, get if that you got that, if you got that three vision. times, then somebody is trying yeah. to tell you something. Okay. I like my new life card. Protected. Oh. You are safe and supported <gasps> while you change your career. Oh my God! Thank you. Oh yeah. man, I was bummed out until you told me this, brah. <laughs> also, I think you could like call whoever you think is. You can call him brah. Bra. 
or whatever. You universe know, like, bra. You can call the universe bra. Unibra. <laughs> Unibra. Wow, that's yeah. like that's powerful to me. Like yeah. to feel protected. I know. Like somebody is going to make you safe. Wow. I feel protected. Mm. I don't. You don't? No. No. No, I feel like I need to protect myself. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um. I'm not sure. I just feel like. Um, well, let me let me examine that. Let me unpack that a little bit. Um, that that it's my job to see that I'm that I'm safe and to make the world that I the you know just the space that I occupy to make sure that I'm safe and mm-hmm. that everything's okay, and that there isn't somebody who's looking after me in that way. Right. So you don't pray. No, I don't pray. No. What do you think? Do you think I should? What do you I, think I would get from that if I did? I, mean, I do all the time. Yeah. Like it's a big security blanket for yeah. me, and I'm willing also to go like, yo, like that whole thing, like, well, you do that because you need you need that or whatever. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. True. <laughs> Guilty as charged. I do because this shit is uh-huh. crazy out here, y'all. Yeah. You yeah. know, so it's like, yeah, that uh-huh. that is it is a security blanket. Wow. But I'd like probably it, be a lot less stressed if it's, I it's if one I've had since that, I was a little kid, true. and yeah. I've never lost it. Protected. And I, yeah, just no, or just the prayer thing, uh-huh. like using that as a security uh-huh. blanket. Yeah, regardless of whether you believe in, you know, like it helps if you believe. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, obviously, because then you know, like you're having a conversation. Like yeah. I find, like my days are a conversation with the huh. universe. You know. That's how I frame my days, and mm. then they, and that makes them magical and seem like gifts and fun. That's you know? fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I, glad I, you told me that. I think it's fun. I think it's way more fun to believe than not to believe. Yeah. You know, and even for that reason, I like to believe because it's just more fun. Yeah. It's a gas that could somebody's <laughs> p- you're playing with somebody the whole time. Yeah. You know, you're never alone. Uh huh. You know. Thanks for saying that. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. No. You want to sing Knock, Knock, Knocking on Heaven's Door? Not really. Uh, I mean, I, I thought we were just going to talk. So yeah, I let's didn't, just I didn't talk. like warm up or anything. No, no, no. I, w- I, mean, I just, could, I was singing it before you came yeah. in here. I love that song, but yeah. I don't want to sing with you some more, but how, we don't have to. Let's talk. How yeah. did the Dylan stuff come about? And I know <laughs> you, you tour as a trio with you yeah. and Jack. But you and also Keith, Keith had Cotton, some yeah. big shows with a lot of big guests like Robert Randolph yep. and Anders Osborne. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that all come to be? Well, it, it came about because um, for a long time I've had in the back of my mind um, to try to do something that Ella Fitzgerald did in the uh, late 50s and early 60s. She put out a series of songbook albums and each album was dedicated to a particular songwriter mm-hmm. like Cole Porter and and uh, you know so, and Harold Arlen and all the sort of like uh, American songbook writers and uh, and so I've had this collection of hers for a long time and I always thought wouldn't it be cool to kind of do my own version of this and focus on writers that I think are interesting or that I have some sort of you know synergy with and um, so we got a call to do a residency at this place the Cafe Carlisle uptown uh-huh. and it's like a cabaret room and I didn't want to go in there and just do my regular show 
And I also didn't want to go in there and try to pretend like I'm a cabaret singer and do, you know, Cole Porter songs myself because I just didn't feel like that was authentic to me. Right. You know, maybe someday I will. But um, but I thought maybe this is the perfect chance to try this idea out. So yeah. we did a two week residency and we did nothing but Bob Dylan songs. And uh, and it, you know, went over really well. And, and the audiences liked it and the critics were very kind. And so we thought, all right, this is we should record this. And that's mm -hmm. where the record came from. And um, we're actually probably going to do another uh, residency there in February. And I'm thinking about, you know, should I pick another writer and do volume two? Leonard Cohen. I was thinking Leonard Cohen. I was, I was also I thinking Lou Reed, but I know uh, you've done a Lou Reed record. Lou would be great for you to do, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, any, any record that you or I would do of oh, Lou Reed man. stuff would be very different. Um, oh, so, yeah, yeah. I know. There needs to be more Lou Reed yeah. tribute albums. Are you yeah. kidding? I yeah. love Lou Reed. You know? He's so great. I know you, had a, you have a history with him. I have, I uh, I have him, very. Yeah, I love him. I only still. ran into him a few times, but, uh, but they were pretty memorable. Well, times, yeah. Talk about synchronicity. I, you know, I had to like move out of Brooklyn suddenly, um, uh -huh. and I asked my great friend. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to reveal where I live. <laughs> actually, uh, I think Your it's great. Uh, you know, just be vague. Yeah, just a well, neighborhood. Neighborhood. Well, okay. Well, let's put it this way. Um, you know. The f we're at a we're we're filming a podcast right now in a basement of a club called Coney Island Baby, which is a song. Lou Reed song. It's yes. a Lou Reed song, uh -huh. and then like if you go to the bathroom, there's a big picture. There's a big you know Lou is right there, and uh -huh. it's just like Lou is all over the place still, and wink and winking at yeah. me. You know that you know uh -huh. to me it's like yeah it's mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, but yeah I think you would doing Lou would be great. And Leonard Cohen, I was thinking when I was mm. listening to your Bob Dylan uh, album, which also then put in my mind like, yeah, there's a different, it, and and this is going to sound like flattery again, but there's a difference between like, this is the first time I had this thought was listening to your Bob Dylan album. And I consider myself to be this too, but I never thought about it listening to myself. But then I put, I lumped myself after I thought of this when I was listening to you. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like that too. <laughs> and it was like, it was that some people do covers and then some people do interpretations. Mm -hmm. I feel like you are doing interpretations, like, which I think is like a level over covers because it's like you're taking possession of them and mm -hmm. making them your own. Like when you do like uh, Everybody Must Get Stoned, mm -hmm. Rainy Day Woman, yeah. 35 point two six nine yeah. whatever that song is called <laughs> everybody must get stoned yeah. you're doing uh -huh. it and it's like you bring in a different emotion to it like to me then it mm. all of a sudden ain't about smoking weed anymore when you do it yeah and that's you, i, I that, that's part of you know my thought process of when i want to do a cover of anybody really is to try to forget what they did with it and because if, if you're just going to do what they did with it already then what's, what's the, point? the point yeah, yeah. so you want to try to find the place where the song and your voice and your artistry meet uh in a way that it really blossoms and and brings out different facets of the song mm -hmm. than maybe other versions already have so so that's really what you know i wanted to do with the dylan stuff and anytime i do a cover really yeah. uh, is to allow people to experience the song in a fresh way and maybe even understand something new about it yeah totally absolutely what's your, what's your favorite cover song to sing what's the ultimate song for you oh god well that's impossible to answer there's just too many great songs i can't i don't have to pick just one no yeah. <laughs> what are the two favorite songs yeah. you struck out with that conversation hey. bro come on <laughs> dude normally you're killing it but that one 
No, you can't but, pick just one, you know. But so like, and that's was on Womanly Hip, right? Womanly Hips. Yeah. Womanly Hips, right? Womanly yes, Hips. Womanly and, Hips and, Records. And yeah. Womanly Hips Records, which is your own label, and it started yeah. in the 90s. Yeah, that was the first. So that's When like, I first put out recorded music was on Womanly Hips label, and then I sort of revamped uh, it um, because the, the people at 30 Tigers... Uh, who oh, sort right. of yeah they they like release it and do all the sort of getting it into they're places good, where it good is. label yeah right? they're, yeah they're tigers, a good label yeah. um, but they but it's it's actually officially it's on Womanly Hips Records yeah. and being distributed by Thirty Tigers that's great so, yeah so it's you were early out in the day with like starting your own label like one of the I mean I guess it just nope, it not wasn't many like were doing it, then. It, well, it wasn't like anybody was knocking on my door saying mm-hmm. oh we really want to put out a record by you I, I was like well fans really want like we would go to these gigs in you know Burlington Vermont or Boston or wherever and people would be like at the end would be like where can I get your your album and I was like I don't have one so yeah. I was like oh I better get it together and so we started uh, so we recorded a, a live show and put it out and I needed a, a name for the record label and it's I always thought name. Womanly Hips would be a of good, you know, because I sort of I have those, so you I got figure those. I, I got to celebrate them. Celebrate them, and yeah. also it's like in, indicative of creation. Yeah, Woman, all good things come hips. from only hips. Hell you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, I concur. That's where you came, baby. That's uh-huh. where you came from. And where no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. What else do we got going on here? I don't mean to be uh, looking at the time, but what time what is time it? What time is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two o'clock. Okay. What t- how long have we I, been going for? We've been like going for two nine, hours. Nine, uh, two hours? Well, a while. Yeah, so that's like, so I guess it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, we have been going for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the longest one so far. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's most good. of them have been 90 minutes, if that. So. So, uh, what's, well, how uh, should we wrap it up? Then? Yeah, let's wrap what it are up. Your next tour dates, or what do you want to yeah. promote next? Yeah, pr- uh, promote. Well, so, um, Joan is doing the last ever show at City Winery in New York, I July am. 31st. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the City Winery Congratulations. In its current uh, location at Varick Street yeah. um, is the last deal. show. The last show at that location is July 31st, and because we played the very first show there. They had us come back and do the last show. That's great. So, I didn't know yeah. you played the first show yeah, there. Yeah, we played opening night there, New Year's Eve. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow, well, congratulations. Thank you. That's Thanks. a big deal because that, that's been an institution in New York City. Yeah, and all, all around the country now, too. Michael's got all these clubs yeah. everywhere, and it's, it's a great... It's a great place, you know, for artists like you and me and singer-songwriters, and it's it's become a real... It's almost like you can do a whole tour just of doing city wineries, and I guess yeah. even, like, Joan Armatrading even did that or something, so... Yeah. Um, She's my nemesis in, in the record, record bins, Joan Armatrading. Joan Armatrading, because, yeah, because you guys are right next to me. She's always right there, like, always covering up my records, always a bigger artist. Damn it, Joan. <laughs> uh, but she's awesome. No, nah, yeah. she's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, cool. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we were planning on having Michael Dorf on the podcast, hopefully, who who run, yeah. runs it, and Shlomo, who books it. Shout yeah. out, Michael Dorf. Shout out, Shlomo. Hi, Shlo. Hi, Michael. Yeah. So uh, that's Great cool. Guys. July thirty yeah, first. July thirty first at City Winery in New York. Yeah. And uh, also playing a bunch of other shows. We're playing. Oh, this. Um, let's see. This. Saturday we're playing in at a casino in North Las Vegas and then next Vegas yeah Vegas and next Friday we're going to be playing in Plymouth Massachusetts 
And it's going to be a really cool show because uh, not only is it us doing our regular show, but we've got some friends there, this all-female heavy metal band called Flight of Fire. And we, we met them recently on this Melissa Etheridge cruise. And they're totally, they're great. They're, they like, uh, you know, uh, came out of Berkeley College of Music and mm-hmm. great players, great, great women, super, super rad. And um, they're going to come and sit in with us on a couple of the songs from the, the new yet to be released record. So people will get to be able to see us play with an all-female heavy metal band for a couple songs and preview some new stuff from uh, from the upcoming record. What's the date of that? Because we don't know when this podcast isn't no, coming out like today. Be, no, oh, no. it's not going to be in time. It'll all right, be, never uh, mind then. Yeah. Friday, not, uh, not next it's, Friday. Oh, okay. So that, that will have happened last night then so oh you just missed it dang it damn it dang it anything coming up <laughs> after that, that i mean i've promote? got a bunch of gigs let's or just I, go I to, have to joan osborne.com yeah, Osborne. follow you on instagram yeah or like, follow the instagram follow at, if if you don't mind my political views you can follow me on twitter and if you do then if you don't want to hear my political views you can follow on instagram or just go to the website and put in your email address and we'll let you know when we're coming to your area, when the new record's coming out, That's anything great. like that. So hopefully a collaboration with Joseph Arthur. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We got. I got to talk to you about when we can do that. Yeah, the sooner the better for me. Yeah, because yeah. I and I got to get you on this record too. Like, okay. hope, like I'm gonna send you a track this week because uh, yeah, we're going to mastering next week. Oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, it's like time, almost time. All right. But uh, so thanks all for tuning in. Yeah. Um, support us on Patreon, which is what. Patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. Patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Stitcher, is that right? I don't know. Follow (laughs) me on Instagram at at Joseph underscore Arthur. Follow Joe on Facebook, Instagram. uh, That's it. Have a great day. Yeah. God bless. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Joe.